Caleb. I'm one of the deacons here. And uh, get the opportunity to do opening every once in a while. And one thing lately, um, had a few different things happen in life. I have a little one here a few months ago and did a job switch and kind of just looking at life, reflecting it, the changes, the things, why we do things, why we don't do things. And the one thing the Lord's been laying on my heart the most, and I wasn't sure kind of how to label it, you know, our purpose or fairness or just in general, why? Um, You know, why does bad things happen to good people? Why does good things happen to bad people? You know, it goes, it, it's, it's a two-way street, and um, just, you know, when what, what comes, what's the good that comes out of the bad? You know, just one little reminder that here happened to me a few weeks back, I guess about a month or so ago. But anyway, I was just normal morning, went to go grab a load of rock, and got to the quarry, they were just leaving the quarry, and had one of my tires, had a flat tire, you know, it's kind of one of those frustrating, and it was six o'clock and looking at the, you know, check which tire stores are open soonest. So I found one that said it was open at seven. I'm like, well, I'll have to wait a little bit, but not that big a deal. Well, I get there and their door says 7.30. I'm like, well, well then they open at 7.30, but their technicians don't start till eight. And I was a little bit frustrated. And anyway, while I'm sitting there and and this other guy pulls in, and it was just, I was a little bit frustrated, but, and it's like, you know, everything happens for a reason, whether we see it initially or not. And it was just, it was a great opportunity, the gentleman, I just got to share with him and talk with him a little bit, and it was just the blessings that we can have on others and that they can have on us. And just if we're open and willing and ready to be used, so anyway, I just had a few scriptures here I wanted to read, and I know this one was read not too terribly long ago, but uh, Romans 9, um, I'm going to read verses 10 through 26. Um, this was our ancestor Isaac. When he married Rebekah, she gave birth to twins, but before they were born, before they had done anything good or bad, she received a message from God. This message shows that God chooses people according to his own purpose. He calls people, but not according to their good or bad works. She was told, your older son will serve your younger son. In the words of the scriptures, I love Jacob, but I rejected Esau. Are we saying then that God was unfair? Of course not. For God said to Moses, I will show mercy to anyone I choose, and I will show compassion to anyone I choose. So it is God who decides to show mercy. We can neither choose it nor work for it. For the scriptures say that God told Pharaoh, I have appointed you for the very purpose of displaying my power in you and to spread my fame throughout the earth. So you see, God chooses to show mercy to some and he chooses to harden the hearts of others so they refuse to listen. Well, then you might say, why does God blame people? For not responding, haven't they simply done what he made them to do? No, don't say that. Who are you, a mere human being, to argue with God? Should the 
thing that was created, say to the one that created it, why have you made me like this? When a potter gives a jar, makes jars out of clay, doesn't he have a right to use the same lump of clay to make one jar for decoration, another to throw garbage into? In the same way, even though God has the right to show his anger and his power, he is very patient with those on whom his anger falls, who are destined for destruction. He does this to make the riches of his glory shine even brighter on those to whom he shows mercy, who were prepared in advance for glory. And we are among those whom he selected, both from the Jews and from the Gentiles. Concerning the Gentiles, God says in the prophecy of Hosea, those who were not my people, I will now call my people, and I will love those whom I did not love before. And then at the place where they were told, you are not my people, there they will be called children of the living God. And just that God's in control and our main, why we are here is for his glory. It's not for us. It's not for, you know, the good things, the bad things. I mean, he loves us. Um, kind of backtracking here a little bit in scripture, but um, Romans 8 31 through 36. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one for God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one for Christ Jesus died for us and raised to life for us, and he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity, or are persecuted, or hungry, or destitute, or in danger, or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake we were killed, Every day we are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite of all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loves us. And I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or on the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Just what just a good reminder what our what our purpose is here. And um and I'm doing a lot of reading this morning, but in when I was studying this, a couple of quotes um that I really liked, and they're both from um, Elizabeth Elliot. Our vision is so limited, we can hardly imagine a love that does not show itself in protection from suffering. The love of God did not protect his own son. He will not necessarily protect us, not from anything it takes to make us like his son. A lot of hammering and chiseling and purifying by fire will have to go into the process. Just 
I mean, his love is just so incomprehensible to us of why. But when we look at it from the perspective of it's for his glory, not for ours, why we are here. And then one other um, quote or section that she had shared in one of her messages from the same from Elizabeth Elliot. Do you want solutions or do you want holiness? Do you want comfort or do you want Christ? Do you want answers or do you want orders? Paul says in 2 Timothy 2, 4, a soldier on active service will not become entangled in civilian affairs. He must be holy in his commanding officer's disposal. If we are soldiers of Christ, he is our commanding officer, and we take his orders, and we're completely disposable. Let's never forget that we are completely disposable. Just, wow. The kind of helps perspective of when things pop up, it's yeah, that may be frustrating, may be painful. But if we keep our focus on God, be alert and ready, because He has a specific purpose for each one of us, each and every day, and that purpose is to bring honor and glory to Him and enrich His kingdom. That um, just His amazing love I want to finish with Acts 20, verse 24. And just this would be, I guess, my prayer as well. This is from Paul. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. I just... Uh, with that, I want to leave you guys with that thought, and uh, we'll pray and invite the worship team to come up. Lord, we just want to thank you so much for your love. Lord, we just uh, want to bring honor and glory to you, Lord, and just uh, as we come to worship you, pray that we would be lights for you in this time. And we pray. Amen. <clears throat> Welcome to Country Christian Center. I just want to, before I get started, we're going to go into, we're going to finish Ruth this morning <clears throat> and talking about the redemption story, but I just want to <clears throat> expound just a little bit on what Jarrah said, and I appreciate what you said, and you know, it isn't about whether we agree to get a vaccine or agree to not get a vaccine, and I think I just want to clarify and make it very clear that it should be your choice on what you do. And what you do and what the Lord leads you to do in that area might be different than what he leads me to do. And I am not going to condemn or make fun of people that do. Because if that's what the Lord tells you to do, you need to do it. I think you should look at it and realize what it is and what's happening. But the biggest thing that I just want to clarify that what we can agree on is that it shouldn't be forced. And let's stay in unity and in agreement on what we're talking about. Let's be very clear what we're talking about because it's really easy to 
gossip go one way or the other, and then all of a sudden we're not agreeing on anything. And so I just want to clarify, let's, let's be in unity on what we're talking about. I think we should have a choice in what we do. Your choice might be different than mine, and that's okay. Because we can agree to a disagree on things, and there's a lot of things in life that we will agree to disagree on. <clears throat> so I just wanted to clarify that before we get started. It's good to be here. I want to welcome you here if you're visiting. <clears throat> We've been going through the book of Ruth, and we're going we're gonna to finish that up this morning. Uh, just a great story of redemption, and boy, do we need it. Not, not just now, but we have needed it all along, but it seems like we could use it even more. Right now, so I'm going to read chapter four in the book of Ruth. Now Boaz went up to the gate and sat down there, and behold, the close relative of whom Boaz had spoken came by. So Boaz said, "Come aside, friend. Sit down here." So he came aside and sat down, and he took ten men of the elders of the city and said, "Sit down here." So they sat down. Then he said to the close relative. Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, sold the piece of land which belonged to our brother Elimelech. And I thought to inform you, saying, buy it back in the presence of the inhabitants of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not redeem it, then tell me that I may know. For there is no one but you to redeem it, and I am next after you. I lost my spot. There. And he said, I will redeem it. Then Boaz said, on the day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you must also buy it from Ruth, the Moabitess, the wife of the dead, to perpetuate the name of the dead through his inheritance. And the close relative said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I ruin my own inheritance. You redeem my right of redemption for yourself, for I cannot redeem it. Now this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging to confirm anything, one man took off his sandal and gave it to the other, and this was a confirmation in Israel. Therefore the close relative said to Boaz, buy it for yourself. So he took off his sandal, and Boaz said to the elders and all the people, you are witnesses this day that I have bought all that it was Elimelech's and all that was Chilion's and Malon's from the hand of Naomi. Moreover, Ruth the Moabitess, the widow of Malon, I have acquired as my wife to perpetuate the name of the dead through his inheritance." that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brethren and from his position at the gate. You are witnesses this day. And all the people who were at the gate and the elders said, We are witnesses. The Lord make the woman who is coming to your house like Rachel and Leah, the two who built the house of Israel. And may you prosper in Ephrathah and be famous in Bethlehem. May your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah because of the offspring which the Lord will give you from this young woman." So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife, and he went into her, the Lord gave, and when he went into her, the Lord gave her conception, she bore a son. <clears throat> then the women said to Naomi, blessed be the Lord, who has not left you this day without a close relative, and may his name be famous in Israel, and may he be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age, for your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is better to you than seven sons, has borne him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her bosom and became a nurse to him. Also the neighbor women gave him a name, saying, There is a son born to Naomi, and they called his name Obed. He's the father of Jesse, the father of David. Now this is the genealogy of Perez. Perez begot Hezron, Hezron begot Ram, and Ram begot Aminadab. Aminadab begot Nashon, Nashon begot Salmon, Salmon begot Boaz, and Boaz begot Obed.
Obed begot Jesse, and Jesse begot David. So we've been talking about Ruth, and it starts out pretty rough for them. They moved out of their hometown. They all lost their husbands, and then they moved back. And Ruth leaves her hometown, and she moves back with her mother-in-law, Naomi, and is living in the land. And like I had said last week, the um, life for widows was very difficult. It was very hard. But here is a way that God put in place to redeem somebody. Now, we'll get into it later, but this is an absolutely wonderful picture of what Christ did for us. Remember at the end of chapter 3, Naomi said, Be patient. Wait, Ruth, because Boaz isn't going to rest until he knows what's going to happen or until he follows through with what he's supposed to do. And Boaz, very true to his word and to what Naomi said, the very next day he is at the city gate. He doesn't waste any time <clears throat> trying to figure out what's going to happen or, how, or, or figuring out if he is able to redeem it because there is one relative closer than he is. <clears throat> and it will usually the way that the system worked then is the closest relative is able to redeem it and carry on. It's a way to carry on the name of a family that never had any sons. And so Boaz goes to the city gate. This would be like city hall. It's where a lot of transactions happens. It's where a lot of, uh, of the reputable people are. Maybe the people that are in charge of the city would be. Um, and they performed a lot of different transactions there. But Boaz was very wise in the way he handled this situation. You know, he could have tried to just kind of go back door and, and do it without doing it correctly, and that could have gone very badly. But that's not who Boaz was. Remember, we've established that Boaz, Boaz is a very reputable, reputable man. He has a reputation. He, he wants his name to mean something. He wants his word to be what he says it, it is. When he gives somebody his word, that's what it is. And so Boaz handles this in a very wise way. He's going to do it honestly, and he's going to do it uh, up front. Let's not let anything be hidden. Let's go to the city gate. Here's the relative that's coming through, was coming by the gate. Hey, would you come sit over here? And then he gathers 10 other reputable people to come and sit there and listen and watch and be witnesses to this because he wants to do it correctly. Now, there are times in our lives where it would really be a lot easier to not do something correctly. Maybe nobody will get hurt. Maybe it'll go faster. We won't have to wait as long. Uh, Maybe it'd just be easier and simpler. But there's something about doing things correctly. Because if we do something correctly, we don't have to spend more of our time looking behind us to make sure we don't get caught, then we can actually focusing on what God has for us to do. This is the type of person that Boaz was. He didn't want anything to catch him from behind. He didn't want to make a mistake or do something incorrectly or wrong or dishonest that might come back to bite him later. He wanted to be very upfront and honest in what was going on. Come over here. You guys all sit around here, and then I'm going to present my case. 
Boaz explained very carefully the situation. It's really interesting to me how he explains it. Because first he comes out and says, now it's Naomi who is being redeemed because she's still alive. But Naomi is past childbearing years. So Ruth is the one that the heir is going to come through. But he first tells this closer relative that uh, Elimelech's land, somebody, you're the closest relative, and if you would like to redeem it, please redeem it now. Well, he, he, he doesn't tell all of it right away. He tells the best part. Well, it depends on, okay, let me back up. <laughs> that didn't come out quite right. <laughs> I don't know how to continue from there now. He tells him the part that he would be interested in most, and that is redeeming the land, because that's a big deal. You can buy somebody's land, you can redeem it, it can be, anyways, this is how the system worked, and so he said, yes, I would love to redeem it, I'll redeem it. And then Boaz says, the day that you redeem that, then you'll be required to take Ruth as your wife. Now, there could have been a loophole there, because technically Naomi was the one that he was redeeming the land from. But this other guy, it doesn't ever say his name. One, one place that I was reading, it says Mr. So-and-so, because it never does say his name. But this guy is a man of integrity as well. And so when Boaz says, well, on the day that you redeem it, you are going to take Ruth as your wife. And in the process of doing that, you're going to, the first son that would be born would then carry Ruth's husband, deceased husband's name, or, or Naomi's deceased husband's name. And you're going to carry that name, which would have been the same name. And so Boaz then tells him this, and the, and the Mr. So-and-so says, Oh, well, if that's the case, I can't do that, because if I were to do that, it would put my inheritance in jeopardy. And that's really interesting, because it would be easy just to kind of go with it, and it's a good deal, it's a great business deal, because you're going to get more land, and, you know, Ruth... You know, that could have caused a little bit of an issue, but, but the integrity that this Mr. So-and-so, this closer relative had, was also very good from what I'm seeing from what we're reading here. It would have been easy for Boaz to leave out some details that would tend to swing this thing into his favor. He could have started with, well, the, are you already married? And... and Maybe it would have gone from there. But when we, when we share with people or when we're trying to do things with people or work business with people, do we tell, are we completely honest? If you're going to sell a car to somebody, are you going to be, there's a fine line there with how honest to be. You don't want to describe it as a piece of junk because nobody's going to want to buy it, but yet you don't want to sell something and then have them call you back and say, this thing is not work at all. So do we leave out details that might swing things into our favor? It's easy to do. It can be very easy to do. But again, long term, short term, that might work out really well. Long term, it's not going to work out well at all. And Boaz realizes this too. He's going to give, he does give all of the details, all of the information, because he wants to make sure that it's done correctly. I don't want to have to do this. I don't want to do it and leave a, when we were, this is totally different subject. When we were adopting our kids, and we were in the state of Oregon with a couple of them, and we couldn't come home 
until we had what's called an interstate compact was signed. Could we have come home? Sure, we could have just drove home and nobody would have known the difference, maybe. But I wasn't willing to take that risk. I wanted everything to be done, done correctly, before we came home. Could we have come home? Sure, we probably could have come home and probably everything would have worked out just fine. But it's not worth the short-term gain for potential long-term loss. Let's look longer term than today or tomorrow. Let's do things with God's kingdom in mind and not just our little piece of the world that it might affect today. Let's do things and let's operate and live our lives thinking longer term than that. The closer relative, Mr. So-and-so was willing to redeem it, but when he heard about marrying the widow, this is when he declined because he wasn't willing to ruin his own inheritance. A couple of verses that I want... Actually, I'm just going to go to... um, Hebrews, I, I came across this verse, and I want to read it. It's just really interesting. Talking about having your inheritance and not willing to ruin your inheritance. I've got to find Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 12, and verses 12 through 17. It says, Therefore strengthen the hands which hang down, and the feeble knees, and make straight paths for your feet, so, what, so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. Pursue peace with all people, and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled." Lest there be any fornicator or profane person like Esau. It's interesting because Caleb, I think, mentioned Esau this morning as well. Who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. For you know that afterward, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. Mr. So-and-so, in the story of Boaz, the closer relative, is not willing to do what Esau did. He's not willing to overlook some of these details that could cause some problems, but still, because the deal is good, I want to take it and I want to take advantage of it. not willing to do that. On the flip side, Esau sold his birthright for a meal. And at that time, he wasn't thinking long term. He was thinking very, very short term. I am hungry right now, and I want food now. What good is my birthright if I'm dead? He was being pretty dramatic, I would think. And we can do the same thing. We can be pretty dramatic. And we can think that I want this right now. And short term, this just has to be this way because this is what I want. And we're not looking very long term. Mr. So-and-so is looking longer term. Boaz is looking longer term. Esau in this little section is not looking long term. Let's not sacrifice the inheritance that we have been given because of something short-term that will not last at all. So when the closer relative, Mr. So-and-so, 
says, I can't do that because I don't want to sacrifice my family name, my own inheritance. Boaz is very quick <clears throat> to agree to redeem the land and to marry Ruth. And he has witnesses. Because remember, he pulled this, not just the relative aside, but 10 reputable witnesses. And they are right there observing, watching, witnessing all of these things that are happening and so Boaz says, you've all seen this. You've all seen what he's done. This is what I'm going to do. I will redeem Naomi's property and marry Ruth. Now, I always wondered, because their tradition was to give uh, uh, this Mr. So-and-so took his sandal off and gave it. I always wondered how, how many single-sandaled people were there. Because <laughs> they take their sandal off and they give it to, the, the relative gave it to Boaz signifying and confirming that I give up my right to redeem so that you can do it. Boaz went about it the right way. He was looking long-term. He wasn't just looking short-term. And he was given the right to redeem. And so he did. And he didn't waste any time doing it. He married Ruth, and they had a son, and the son's name was Obed. What, a, what an example. What an example that was put forth. But you know, everything that is in this Bible points to one thing. And here's what I want to do with the rest of our service this morning, is I want to tell you about my family redeemer. If God can take <clears throat> Boaz, whose mother was Rahab, the harlot that lived in Jericho, and he can take Ruth, who was a Moabite, and through them can bring the line <clears throat> of my Redeemer. What are we complaining about God not being able to use us. God wants to use us. He wants to work through us. My family redeemer is named Jesus. And he came to redeem you and I. He can be your redeemer. He is your redeemer. Whether you like that or want him to be or accept that, he is your redeemer. He's the reason that I have hope. He's the reason that I have joy. He's the reason that I have peace. He's the reason that I get up every morning and do what I do because I know that my Redeemer lives. I think a lot of you know Jesus. But if there's somebody here that doesn't, I very briefly am going to go through why he came to redeem us. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Ever since the very beginning in the book of Genesis, when Adam and Eve made the choice to disobey God, 
Ever since then, every single person that has been born is born a sinner. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Everybody's a sinner, and the wages of that sin is that we should die. And this is where our Redeemer comes into play. He knew what was going to happen in the Garden of Eden. And he already had a plan in place to give us a choice. We talk about things that it doesn't seem like we have choices of in this world anymore today. But one thing that we will always have a choice is we will be able to choose whether or not you want to follow Jesus. You get to choose whether or not you want to accept what he has done for you. We will always have that choice because that's the choice that God gave us himself. In John 14, it says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Well, that can't be. How can there only be one way? I didn't write the book. I didn't make the rules. I just believe what it says. And when it says, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to the Father except through me, I believe it. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes into righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. <clears throat> what do we have to do to accept this family redeemer, what he has done for us? And all we have to do is ask it sounds way too easy. It's because it is. He didn't make it difficult. He didn't make a whole bunch of hoops you have to jump through. He didn't make a whole bunch of works that you have to do first before you can accept him. No, he just said, I'm here. And it says also in, I didn't write that one down, but it says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if any man hears my voice, he can let him in. God's patient. Jesus is patient. Jesus is willing to wait He doesn't want anybody to perish. He wants everybody to come to know him, but everybody still has a choice. My question for you today is, have you made that choice to serve him, to accept his offer of redemption? Because it stands, it still stands today. His offer of redemption and what he did on the cross stands for you today just the same as it did the moment that he was risen from the dead. It hasn't changed. The offer still stands. Are we sometimes hesitant to share about the hope that we have? Our world is looking for hope, if you haven't noticed. A lot of fear in our world today, and they're looking for hope. And you know what? You and I have that hope. I don't have to be afraid. Do I still get afraid? Yes, I still do sometimes. But I have the hope that we know what's going to happen in the end. We don't know what's going to happen in between now and then, but we know what's going to happen in the end. 
And that's what we can, sometimes what we are afraid of is what might happen between now and when Jesus comes back. But I want you to know who my Redeemer is. He can be your Redeemer. He is your Redeemer if we're willing to accept him. Are we, do we hesitate to share that with people? Number one, I want you to come to know who Jesus is. If you have not accepted Jesus' gift of salvation, I encourage you to find somebody. Come talk to me or come talk to somebody that you know. Find out how you can do that. Don't leave here without doing that. It's so important. I cannot, I cannot tell you and I cannot express to you how important that relationship is, that relationship that you have with Jesus. Because then, then we have something in common. Then we can agree on something. And there can be this whole pile of things over here that we don't agree on, but we can agree on the fact that Jesus loves me and Jesus loves you. And I know that he died and came, gave his life for you and me. We have something in common. Regardless of whether we don't have anything else in common, we have that. And that's the most important thing. That's what builds unity. That's what creates unity among people. Let's not, let's be like Boaz in the fact that he didn't waste any time figuring out how he was going to make this redemption happen. We have been redeemed. Let's not waste any time in sharing how we've been redeemed with everybody that we know. We meet people Every day. I was waiting the other night, it was Friday night actually, for a truck to show up. And I was getting a little frustrated because he was supposed to be here at 1. And then he called and said he wasn't going to be here until 3.30. And then they called and said it was going to be closer to 5. And it was actually about 5.20 before he showed up. And I was getting frustrated. And then I, at the same time that I'm getting frustrated, and I'm trying to remind myself, Lord, if everything happens for a reason... You're going to have to show me because right now I'm not really feeling it at all. And I didn't say anything special, but just was still tried to be pleasant when the truck driver finally showed up. I wasn't upset. I was upset, but I wasn't upset. God works everything in his plan. God has a purpose for you. He has redeemed you with his blood. John 3.16 is a verse everybody knows. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. Because we would perish if it was left without a redeemer, we would perish, but have everlasting life. And that's what he came to do for you. Now, I know that I could have an altar call, and I considered doing that, but I'm, going to change, I'm not going to this morning. I do want to encourage you, if you don't know who Jesus is, get to know who he is. We have a world that is absolutely nuts. And it's getting worse, it appears. But if you want something that's stable and you want something that's solid and you want something you can put your faith and your trust and your hope in, that's my Redeemer. That's Jesus. That's his name. And I want you to know. I'm going to play a song. And then I'll be back up here in just a second. As you go about your week this week and as you meet people and as you talk to people and if people are struggling with something or they don't know which way to turn, there's something you can tell them. Hey, let me tell you about my Jesus. 
because that's what we want to do. That's what we're here for. We're here to tell people about Jesus. We're here to live for him. We're, we're here to be a light to everyone that we meet. Stand up with me, if you would. We're going to pray, and when we're done praying, I want you to turn to somebody, and I want you to tell somebody about your Jesus in, the, in this simple way. I want you to tell somebody, Jesus is my and you fill in the blank. Jesus is my rock. Jesus is my peace. Jesus is my hope. Well, after we're done praying, I want you to turn and tell somebody about your Jesus. Father, thank you so much for your love. I thank you for the story of Ruth, for, of Boaz. Just pray that every time we, we read that or hear that, that we would remember what you have done for us, and that you have came, come and that you have redeemed us and that you're still waiting for us if we have not come to know you yet. I just pray, Lord, that we can share that love, we can share that hope with people, and when people ask what hope we have, we can say, let me tell you about my Jesus. Bless our week, guide us as we go from here. We love you this morning. In your name we pray, amen.